You're listening to The Diplomats Podcast on Asian Geopolitics. As always, I'm your host, Ankit Panda, here from New York City. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ajay Shukla, a retired Indian Army colonel and journalist for The Business Standard, who's uh, joining me all the way from India today. Ajay, how are you doing? Very well, Ankit. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, for listeners, just a little bit of background on Ajay, who I've been reading for several years, but this is actually his first appearance on the Asia Geopolitics Podcast. Um, Ajay does some of the best writing uh, out of India on Indian defense policy and uh, Indian security policy. And of, of late, of course, uh, some of our listeners who've been listening to the podcast for more than a year uh, are, of course, going to be aware that India and China have been mired in the most serious standoff at their disputed border in eastern Ladakh uh, and elsewhere for now almost a year. Um, and of course, uh, these disputes range back much further. Uh, last June, of course, there was a terrible skirmish in which 20 Indian soldiers lost their lives and an untold number of Chinese casualties also. Um, but Ajay's been doing consistently some of the best reporting from this reason. And actually, the reason that I'm delighted to have Ajay on the show today and what we'll be talking about on this episode uh, is his recent report uh, for the Business Standard titled uh, The Indian Army's Pivot to the North, in which he reports the blockbuster development, which is the Indian Army's reorientation uh, of the one core as a mountain strike corps for Ladakh. Uh, Ajay, that's enough for me. And I'd actually love for you to sort of take the opportunity to explain, first of all, what exactly does this mean, the Indian Army's decision to take uh, the One Corps and convert it into a new mountain strike corps? Can you just place that, the significance of this decision in context for many of our listeners who may not be uh, fully uh, aware of the Indian Army's um, general layout, so, uh, so to speak? Uh, yeah, Ankit, thanks for that very generous introduction. Uh, viewers who, who who listen to this uh, podcast would know that India faces a two-front threat and prepares for a two-front threat. Uh, the Western threat, which as it's called from Pakistan, and the Northern threat, as it's called from China. Uh, now, uh, India has uh, perhaps somewhat aspirationally always said that its main uh, threat comes from China and that Pakistan is a subsidiary threat. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, its deployment patterns and the way that it has deployed its military and tasked its military uh, tells a different story. Uh, the Indian Army has about 38 infantry divisions. Uh, and out of those, some 25 are oriented towards Pakistan. Uh, and just about 12 or so are oriented towards China with one division as the uh, Central uh, Army Headquarters Reserve. Uh, now, that that shows, you know, that deployment pattern where you have almost twice as many forces deployed towards Pakistan as you have uh, against China, uh, shows that your main threat, in fact, is perceived to be from Pakistan. Uh, but that is apparently now changing. And the first tangible uh, evidence of that reorientation uh, is this uh, transfer of one core that's one of the three mechanized indian strike corps all three of which are oriented towards pakistan uh, one core is now being reoriented towards china towards facing the china threat from the north uh, as a strike reserve uh, ready to deal with any contingencies that might happen 
for example, the contingency that took place last year when Chinese troops crossed the line of actual control and occupied chunks of Indian territory. Uh, so that would mean that essentially three Indian divisions are being taken away from the Pakistani uh, frontier uh, and reoriented towards the Chinese frontier. That has huge implications. First of all, in terms of the signaling that it is uh, that India is doing towards China, uh, that it, we are no longer content to just talk about you being a threat. We are now fundamentally reorienting our military towards uh, the Chinese border. Uh, and secondly, the the, the strategic signaling, beg your pardon, that is being taken place, that uh, it is taking, it is uh, carrying out vis-a-vis uh, -vis Pakistan, which is uh, a sort of a lessening of tensions, a lessening of forces towards the Pakistani frontier, which uh, then uh, sort of uh, cuts into the Pakistani narrative that the Indian army is essentially an anti-Pakistan army. So uh, essentially, uh, from 25 divisions facing Pakistan, we are now down to just 22, the three divisions of the of the one core now being taken away from the Pakistan frontier, and the Chinese divisions, which were uh, just about 12 divisions, now going up to about 15. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a big signal from the Indian side. And so, in, in practical terms, what sort of assets are we talking here, uh, just in terms of uh, numbers and capabilities, uh, in terms of actually making a difference? Uh, you know, I mean, a mountain warfare is, of course, very specialized. It's not something that you can take sort of a unit that's or a division that's been uh, oriented to uh, operate in the plains and just convert them into a mountain war a strike corps. So, in, in practical terms, what kind of assets and capabilities are we talking about here? Uh, you're talking about uh, a mountain division. Uh, which uh, consists of essentially about 18,000 troops. Uh, and uh, it is more lightly equipped than a conventional division uh, or the plains infantry divisions that the Indian Army maintains in the, in the plain sector, the non-mountainous sector. So you're looking at about 9 to 12 battalions in a division, uh, each battalion consisting of about 800 soldiers, uh, more lightly equipped, less heavy weaponry, uh, and more suited for quick movement from bit, from defensive positions in the mountains to other positions. Uh, lighter artillery, uh, some of the new artillery that the Indian military has been buying, the ultralight howitzers from BAE systems, are specifically designated towards the mountain divisions. Uh, so you have, uh, firstly, a difference in equipping and numbers. And secondly, a, dif a difference in training and acclimatization. Uh, we are talking about mountainous heights ranging from 15,000 to 18,000 feet here. Uh, that's very difficult terrain for, uh, for, for, for operating in because of the shortage of oxygen. So uh, these mountain divisions are trained to operate in those altitudes. They are acclimatized for operating in those altitudes. And when you're talking about two new mountain divisions being reoriented towards the Chinese front, you're talking about two divisions of 18,000 troops each, adding up to about 36,000 troops, which is a significant force level. Uh, of course, these being strike reserves will not be deployed into, into forward uh, defensive positions along the mountains. They will be held back in reserve, ready to counter any intrusions by China 
with intrusions of its own in selected areas uh, where it might have uh, sort of perceived the Chinese vulnerability. So that's the difference that is going to take place. And that is the reorientation that will take place with one core. Uh, uh, I should add here that one core has three divisions, not two. Uh, two of them are infantry divisions, which will be reoriented towards the, the, the Chinese threat. Uh, and the third division is a uh, armored division, which will now go into the central strike reserve, uh, which will operate under army headquarters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, you know, it's not just acclimation uh, to higher altitudes that takes a while, but but in practical terms, uh, reorganization will not happen overnight. So how how long will this take exactly? And then, you know, we've been mostly in a descriptive mode so far on this episode, but I wanted to sort of ask you for, for your take. I mean, is this... Uh, is this, in your opinion, I mean, too little, too late? I mean, we're seeing this happen uh, into the worst uh, crisis between India and China uh, in in several decades. Of course, I mean, um, you know, what would have been the difference if this had been done uh, a year or two earlier, for instance? Oh, well, in fact, uh, the reorientation uh, has been taking place over the last fifteen years, uh, around two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. Uh, India raised two new mountain divisions for the Chinese uh, frontier. They were deployed in the eastern sector of Arunachal Pradesh. Uh, And then around about 2012, uh, India raised for the first time a mountain strike corps. Earlier, it had those three uh, mechanized strike corps for the plain sector against Pakistan that I spoke about earlier. Uh, Around 2012, they raised a mountain strike corps with two infantry divisions, mountain divisions, both of them, uh, to counter any Chinese intrusions. But those were spread out, one of them in the the western sector of Ladakh, one of them deployed uh, in the region of the eastern sector facing Arunachal Pradesh and Sikkim. Uh, So it was not uh, functional as a cohesive mountain strike court. They were actually just two spread out infantry divisions. Uh, which have uh, sort of a lesser ability to generate force and momentum, operational momentum in the mountains, which is very difficult. Now, with the raising of this strike corps, you will have uh, one mountain strike corps in the eastern sector, one mountain strike corps in the western sector. So my assessment is that, you know, the operational momentum that can be generated by two uh, mountain strike corps, each of them equipped with two infantry divisions, Uh, in two different sectors uh, gives significantly a larger number of options to the Indian military. Uh, It it sort of uh, allows the Indian military to uh, to sort of uh, uh, strike in two different sectors, uh, which then creates uh, decision problems for the Chinese side. But coming to your uh, question about how long it's going to take, Uh, This is going to take, in my opinion, at least two training seasons, which means we're talking about two years here. Uh, There will have to be a fundamental reorientation, not just of uh, operational tasks, but of thinking, because uh, a a planes infantry division or an infantry strike corps is a very different animal from a mountain strike corps. uh, And that will take some time to, to, to actually realize on the ground. So... Uh, summing up uh, what I was saying, it's going to be at least two years before this actually comes into operational effect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you talked a little bit about the 
um, India's two-front challenge and the need to sort of apportion limited resources between Pakistan and China. Uh, so my question here is um, how, so you've talked a little bit about how this affects the conventional military balance with Pakistan, but do you personally see risks in this reorganization in terms of taking some capabilities away from the Pakistani front and, and putting them towards eastern Ladakh, where certainly things have been um, hotter in the past um, 10 months or so, but of course, things can change once again. Uh, and um, how, how might the Indian army uh, respond uh, in the case that the border with Pakistan once again does, uh, does heat up? Uh, yes, that's a very good point, Ankit. Uh, because India's uh, sort of uh, posture against Pakistan has already or has always been based on uh, punitive deterrence, the ability to strike into Pakistan, uh, operationalizing the cold start doctrine that uh, many of you have talked about, uh, the ability to enter into Pakistan along uh, narrow thrust lines uh, with a large momentum of force, uh, to impose punitive damages for any uh, sort of misadventure that Pakistan might enter into. Uh, and for that, India has planned on having three strike corps, uh, which would be able to uh, counter and uh, sort of overmatch the two Pakistani uh, armored divisions that would be ranged against it. So now, instead of a three versus two scenario against Pakistan, you, India will only be able to muster up a two versus two scenario. Uh, and that will uh, will sort of reduce the ability of India to, to sort of impose punitive damages. Uh, it will have to rethink its strategy towards Pakistan. Uh, this is very good news for Pakistan, I can tell you, uh, because its uh, defensive conundrum and its threat metrics significantly reduces. Uh, it becomes more oriented towards China on the Indian side. But... Uh, the, the, the sort of risks that you talked about, the, the sort of uh, reduction in capabilities that you mentioned are definitely there on the Pakistani frontier. Uh, and that is going to ch complicate India's security calculations. <laughs> I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the sounds in the background with you, with the with the rooster crowing the wake up call. You know, it, it, it I think matches yeah. quite nicely with this wake up call for India that uh, we've seen in Eastern Ladakh in many ways. Um, anyways, yeah. I wanted to ask you um, one last question before um, before we wrap this discussion up, uh, which is really, I mean, on on the overall situation at the border. Uh, I've done a few podcast episodes on this as. The Eastern Ladakh situation has um, waxed and waned, so to speak. Of course, it, it very much remains um, running. Uh, we're taping this podcast. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday morning, January 26th, uh, where Ajay is. It's Monday, January 25th, where I am in the United States. But on uh, January 24th, Sunday, we had the ninth Corps Commander level talks between the Indian Army and the Chinese People's Liberation Army. Like the eight previous talks, resulted in very little uh, material progress. Uh, the two sides remain mired in a standoff amid the bitter winter uh, in eastern Ladakh. Uh, so, Jay, my final question is really about your um, your sense of where this is all going. I mean, uh, you know, this is already into a very different realm than uh, even, you know, the Doklam crisis in 2017, which at the time appeared to be more serious than its antecedents. So what can we expect? Uh, and, and, and in your terms, um, in your view, uh, how what can the Indian government really do to manage uh, the current standoff along the border? Well, as you mentioned, Ankit, this is uh, this is a standoff. It's it's uh, it's not uh, easing uh, as a consequence of the talks. You mentioned the ninth round of talks that took place on Sunday. Uh, they yielded very little. The Chinese are talking about de-induction in certain sectors where it suits them, 
but the sectors where they wanted to make gains and they wanted to uh, put pressure on India, uh, and I speak specifically of the Depsang sector and the uh, the Doklam sector, uh, no, I beg your pardon, not the Doklam sector, the Pangong Lake sector, uh, in these two sectors, China is not going to give up. It has given no signals so far that it is ready to yield or withdraw or uh, sort of give up any of the gains that it has made on the Indian side of the line of actual control. So essentially, the troops are deployed there in a in a face-to-face -face confrontation. China has the first mover's advantage, uh, having taken India by surprise uh, last April when it moved into Indian territory. Uh, and it's not giving up its gains. Uh, so you're, you're essentially looking at uh, tying up two infantry divisions and a roughly equal cap uh, number of Chinese divisions into a sort of a, a confrontation situation on the border. Uh, no signs of withdrawal. Uh, the Indian government has tried both military-level talks and diplomatic dialogue between New Delhi and Beijing. Uh, but China is, is, is seems to be uh, set on retaining its gains. So essentially, this means that a significant proportion of Indian uh, troops, which were earlier held in reserve, the Northern Command Reserve and the Army Headquarters Reserve, are now tied up on the ground. And that is one of the reasons why they're trying to generate more reserves by reallocating one core to the to the But for now, uh, it seems like uh, India, which was... Uh, in a face-to-face -face confrontation for all these years, since 1948, with Pakistan on the line of control, uh, is now actually facing the, the, the situation where it's into a face-to-face -face confrontation with China on the line of actual control, as the Sino-Indian border is called. And that's not good news for the Indian military. Mm -hmm. Well, Ajay, I'm sure uh, we'll both have... Um other occasions to revisit this topic, since, uh, as you just said, it doesn't look like this will be evaporating anytime soon. But uh, I really do want to thank you for joining me today and cramming what is, frankly, a tremendous amount of insight into uh, less than 20 minutes. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, so thanks, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the Asia Geopolitics podcast today. Thanks, Ankit. Always a pleasure to talk to you. For listeners, if you've been a subscriber to the podcast but you haven't yet left us a review, we'd really appreciate it if you could do that. It really helps get the word out about the show. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. We'd uh, we'd love for you to keep up with uh, future coverage on on this podcast. Finally, before we close, a quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the Asia Geopolitics Podcast is brought to you by Diplomat Risk Intelligence, or DRI. DRI is the Consulting and Analysis Division of The Diplomat, the Asia-Pacific's leading current affairs magazine. Since its launch in 2002, The Diplomat has been dedicated to quality analysis and commentary on events and trends in Asia and around the world, and is now one of the most respected publications covering the region. DRI inherits this approach and offers clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors worldwide access to an exclusive network of subject matter experts and analysts. Whatever your needs in the wider Asia-Pacific region, DRI can offer the knowledge and expertise necessary to anticipate and manage geopolitical and geoeconomic risks. For more information, please visit dri.thediplomat.com. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back soon with more.